0: Crawford United Methodist Church recently welcomed a new pastor, Reverend Cameron Overby. As part of Crawford Radio's continuing series with clergy members in town, I sat down with Pastor Overby in his office and asked him to tell us a bit about his background. Our journey started in uh, South Jersey. So I grew up in South Jersey in a little town called Swedesboro. It's exit two on the turnpike if you're ever headed down south. It is about a two-lane road at that point, so it's uh, not quite what it is up here. I grew up in Swedesboro, part of a Methodist church, third generation uh, Methodist. My grandmother was one of the matriarchs of the congregation, still is, so we grew up in a good religious family, Methodist family. Never actually felt called to be a pastor until maybe senior year of high school, and I am one of the younger clergy around, kind of. On the cutting edge of young clergy, so to speak, so I understand a lot of people know, oh, oh, not until your senior year of high school you received that call. Still kind of early in the grand scheme of things, but senior year of high school, up until that point I wanted to be a meteorologist, I wanted to be a weatherman, and a TV weatherman too. But during my high school tenure, I started growing to more of a leadership position in our youth group. Uh, our youth group was such that there was a lot of middle schoolers and just one or two junior or seniors in high school. Uh, so I naturally started to m- fall into a mentorship role and even a counseling role, uh, which was all very much encouraged by my youth pastor. There was a sense of meaning and a sense of f- spiritual feeding that came with that mentorship role or that role of offering guidance to others. And I started to think about maybe there was something to uh, maybe youth ministry So I started to think about that line of work, and then I thought, oh, maybe I'm called to be a meteorologist by day, and then in the evenings I can do the morning news, and then I can be a youth pastor by night, so I still make lots of money, I'm still doing well, but I can still have that spiritual aspect in addition to it. So my junior and senior year of high school, I started to get into the more advanced sciences and math, things that go beyond simple math. So calculus and physics hit, and I was dreadful at both. My senior year, my last final was honors calculus final, and I got a 26 on the final. And I was so happy to leave that room (laughs) for the last time. But at the same time, we were going through college visits. We went to Valparaiso University in northwest Indiana, the town of Valparaiso. I was visiting for the meteorology department, and we sat down with the head of the meteorology department. I said, you know, how much calculus and physics is really involved in the meteorology program? And I know a lot of the weather calculations are calculus, are physics, all that sort of thing. But there's a lot of computers now, and maybe if I'm just a TV guy, I don't have to well, he said, it's all calculus and physics, the entire curriculum, all four years. It's calculus you haven't even heard of yet, with differential equations and all that sort of thing. And I thought, oh my goodness. And I really thought, to ch- <laughs> for the first time, I really start questioning the direction I was putting my own life in. And at the same time, was continuing to grow into that mentorship role. So I ended up applying to Valparaiso University, among other places, applied to colleges for meteorology degrees, and two places for theology degrees, and I really liked Valpo for its well-roundedness, it's a Lutheran school, but they included spiritual and religious language in their brochures and their information, which I thought was a nice plus, On in addition to a standard liberal arts education. So I applied there for theology instead of meteorology, knowing that I couldn't get away from the calculus and physics in their meteorology department. And ended up, that's where there was a clear sign and a clear calling to end up at Valpo. Uh, some of it involved financial aid <laughs> and where the money fell, but you can't argue when God gives you a clear calling and a clear sign. To, that's where you're supposed to be. I met my wife the very first day, my wife Kelsey. been together for almost two and a half years now. very first day, she was scared of me that first day. She thought I was uh, creepy. But we became friends and eventually started dating, and uh, we were engaged by senior year. Valparaiso was a great four years for us, very formative in all sorts of ways. We worked at the Chapel of the Resurrection, which is one of the largest non-Catholic collegiate chapels. (laughs) A lot of qualifiers there, but it is a very big building, seats about 2,500 when it's full to the rafters. It was a very exciting place to learn about church work, to learn about theology, to learn uh, and to grow in a vocational calling into pastoral ministry. So at the recommendation of my theology professors, they said if you want to have a great theological seminary experience, you go to Duke Divinity School. I applied to Duke, got in, received some more financial aid, which is helpful. We uh, went off to Duke. My wife, Kelsey, has her master's in social work. She did a one-year advanced placement master's at the University of Missouri. She is from Missouri, so we spent half a year apart and then she did her internship at Duke Hospital which is a great place to do medical social work and we've lived in North Carolina for the last three years as I've been finishing seminary and she's been doing social work and child and adolescent therapy down in Durham and Raleigh and graduated this last May and we have moved to Cranford, been appointed to Cranford United Methodist Church, started the ordination process in the New Jersey Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. It's easier not to change horses mid-race, uh, so we stuck with New Jersey. My wife felt that we should be near one side of the family or the other when we start having children. In New Jersey won, and uh, we were appointed to Cranford. It's a great placement, and uh, we're very excited to be here. We started July 1st. So four months in Well now that you're here in Cranford, tell us a little bit about Cranford United Methodist Church. There have been some recent changes since you've arrived, but there are some ongoing things as well. Well the church has been through a series of transitions which is part of life with human beings sometimes things don't work out quite the way you expect them to but we are excited to be moving in a you know starting a new chapter of the church's story and I feel there's a tangible difference from when we came and did our initial interview to where we are now in terms of programming and just general atmosphere. I feel like there's a new sense of direction, of calling, of mission, of fellowship, love, and grace in the place. So that's very exciting, very exciting that we're turning the narrative, curving the narrative, and uh, moving into a new story, or a new chapter of the story. The church has been here for 163 years. It started right before the Civil War kicked off, as I understand in the history. So there's a lot of history to the church, and there's a, it has a long history in the community as well. Some of the more staid things that are in the recent history of the church is we have the Christian Connection, the after-school program has been in place since 2005, offering all kinds of beneficial services for those who need child care before school, at kindergarten age, or after school as well. And there's about 95 kids enrolled this year, which is just about capacity. Uh, It's actually a little over capacity, but not everybody's here every day. Uh, So that's a tremendous ministry in the community. Uh, We also are the host of the CCHD Counseling Center. They do family services, they do individual counseling, they do all kinds of great stuff there down the hall. Uh, That's also a wonderful community resource. If you feel you have a need for uh, any type of counseling or guidance or direction in your life, that's a wonderful thing to go to. Uh, Some of the newer things we're doing in the church right now with transition comes some change sometimes, and with changing narrative, some things go with the narrative. So uh, one of the biggest things that we're doing in the four months that, we, that I've been here is changed up our Sunday morning schedule. And prior to my arrival, the Sunday morning schedule was a 9 o'clock service and a 10 o'clock service. Really trying to, I think, cater to sports schedules to get everybody out of the <laughs> out of the building by 11 o'clock was an important thing. Unfortunately, uh, the way, I mean, it's not unfortunate in the regard that, their youth doing sports. I mean, that's a fine thing. But it doesn't really matter what time on Sunday morning you you try to get together. If there's a sports conflict, there's going to be a sports conflict. And I don't think that's the end of the world. But we've decided to revision and refocus on Sunday mornings, the worship times, because a 9 o'clock to 9.45 service sometimes gets out in 45 minutes, depending on the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't give a whole lot of time for transition when you have to be ready at 10 o'clock for a completely different service. So that was one thing that the pastor and the music director and those who are working the services wanted to have a little more time on my end to greet people out of one service and greet people into another service. It's always important and also to create common ground, common space for people of both services to interact with one another. So what we have right now is an 845 service, with the 9 o'clock moves to 845, and that meets in uh, Randolph Hall, which is the fellowship hall of the church. It's um, a very informal service, very up-to-date, contemporary is the buzzword, it's a great opportunity to be introduced to a church service, and the leader lit- there. There is such a thing as liturgy in it, but it's not. It's not a strict adherence to doing things a certain sort of way. It's a very loose service. It's very uh, natural feeling. There's a kids section where you can. There's tables in the back with refreshments where you can feel free to get up during the service at any point if you feel the need to. If you have trouble sitting still in one place for 45 minutes to an hour, or if if you do better having your hands busy at a time. I mean, that's okay. It's a place for holy play, godly play, and creativity. Uh, So that's a very exciting and a very unique service that we offer. And then we have at 9.40, so the first service runs from 8.45 to roughly 9.30. Get a little time for setting up and tearing down. Also in Randolph Hall, we now have what is called our community time, which is, again, that space where we have two very different church services, which tend to create bring in very different groups of people, um, gives us common space where we can be facing each other instead of just facing the same direction on a Sunday morning in the pews or in our chairs, which really helps to build our community life, helps us to get to know one another better, and helps us to make connections that really make a difference in our day-to-day lives, and help get people more involved and more deeply invested in what's going on at the church, and more in their religious and spiritual lives, and for them to find support. Uh, in one another. We have Sunday School at that time. The Sunday School program has gotten smaller over the years uh, so in order to keep it going uh, we've incorporated that into the community time rather than during the second service which it had been classically a part of. This enables the Sunday School teachers to not be totally overwhelmed by having to do Sunday School every week so what we do now is uh, Sunday School is a biweekly thing and community time switches between Education Week on the on weeks, so to speak, where there's adult Bible study uh, as well as Sunday school programming going on between the services, and there's also coffee and a continental breakfast, so to speak, it is free during that time. If you do not feel led to participate in the Bible study or Sunday school, that fellowship time does become more of a coffee hour type of thing on those on weeks. During the weeks that there isn't Sunday school, there's a more structured program for the community time. This last week, we dove deeper into getting to know what kind of mission outreach, our mission and other outreach ministries that our church is doing via a scavenger hunt, which they had three or four teams moving around the church, finding puzzle pieces, and the clues were all about the different missions that the church is doing. Uh, So it helps us get to know each other better, helps us do something out of the ordinary on a Sunday morning where we're not confined to a pew space or a chair space or a certain script, so to speak. And that was received very well this week. We're still tweaking it. It's still very new. We're only in our fourth week of it, I believe. So we're always looking to grow and to figure out how we can do things more faithfully to God and more faithfully to one another. After community time, we have a 10.30 service. So it was the 10 o'clock. Now it is a 10.30 service. Uh, you still get out before noon. In the South, it was much more important to be out before noon when we were in North Carolina. You had to beat the Baptists to the cafeteria. Cafeteria eating's a big thing in the South, trust me. It's not like high school cafeteria. It's a good thing. But you had to beat the Baptists to the cafeteria or to the restaurant or that sort of thing. So you still got an edge there. You're out before noon. We're all right. Things are still good. But you have a 1030 service. That's a more traditional, classic uh, Methodist liturgy, a little higher liturgy service in the sanctuary proper is also a wonderful service. I enjoy doing and leading both, which so is very exciting to me to be able to do and to practice both. Uh, both styles, well, all kinds of different styles of worship really. So we're very excited to keep rolling on that. We've just hired a new music director who also really enjoys leading both types of worship. He has a tremendous voice opera level singing voice which is which comes out more in the second service for your traditional service and we're also working on now that there isn't sunday school during the second service of ways to be more hospitable to those who have children during a service Um, there is nursery care available throughout the morning i believe up to preschool aged. but for those who have kindergartners and above and to get a little antsy in the seats and i want to encourage you that's okay uh, we really do want to see children in the worship service to give them a framework. It could be either worship service. to Give them a framework of what's going on for church because if you keep telling children, oh, this isn't for you, this isn't for you. You, you, you grow up eventually and you'll do this, then when you graduate from Sunday school, so to speak, then they have no framework of where they fit into the proper worship community of the church. So we would like at least some kind of exposure, even if it's through osmosis. I used to, when I was very little... Sit under the pews and pretend I was working on a car during the service, and you know I did all right. <laughs> God worked in our world. God worked in my life too. So we really would like to encourage more families that just because there isn't Sunday school during a service, that there isn't a place for you there, uh, because there absolutely is. And it's a big space. In the last church I was uh, blessed to serve, I was a small little church in North Carolina, and uh, kids were dancing in the aisles. They would every time the acolyte would come up before we would process out after the service all the kids would line up in front of us it was it's great and and i really would like and i really encourage godly play in both services not just uh, one or the other one thing we're working on in that regard is well now we have children's activity bags we have welcome bags for visitors we're really doing a self evaluation of what kind of a welcoming church we are It's healthy for every church to do periodically. There are some practices that they fall by the wayside, maybe some of the attention to detail. Uh, So we're really working on developing our spaces so that they feel more welcoming, developing our leadership so that we're more equipped to be welcoming and uh, to really live into the open hearts, open minds, open doors, theology and policy of the United Methodist Church. Crawford United Methodist Church is located at the corner of Walnut and East Lincoln Avenues. For Crawford Radio, this is Bernie Wagenblast.